I don't know if you've got a good imagination, but if you can just try and picture that scene of the um, meal that they're having. And uh, the Pharisee Simon, he's invited Jesus to come to this meal. Why? Because he's heard about him. He's maybe heard him speak. He's intrigued. He wants to get to know him better. He wants to get closer to him, probably. That's what usually is one of the motivations for having people over for dinner, is to get closer to them, to get to understand them better and to build a connection with them. And into this uh, very nice meal comes a sinful woman. And we'll know, we know... Is this on? Yes. We know that uh, in those days, if, if somebody was called a sinful woman, that generally meant that she would have been a prostitute. So this prostitute comes in, and it was quite common for people who were wealthier to have meals at... Ooh! For the poor... <laughs> you don't need to do anything to it. I just didn't know if it was on or not. You can turn it back down a bit, actually. Um... It was quite common for, for the poor people to gather, come in round the sides of the meal. Uh, doors would have been open, windows would have been open, there would have been no glass and no screens. And so people would come in and they would be hoping for leftovers and that sort of thing. So it wasn't uncommon. And uh, she comes in and she makes the most significant connection with Jesus out of all the guests there. She makes that bond with him that intimate moment with him. And you'd think that somebody, an outsider like that, would have had the least opportunity to do that. You'd think Simon, the the host, would have made the strongest connection. But no, it's the sinful woman. And they both have this desire to get to know Jesus better, to be close to him. But it's her who achieves that goal. Uh, And I think in the telling of the story... And in Jesus' response to Simon's thoughts, which he seems to be able to read, um, Jesus is hoping that Simon too will make the connection. He wants Simon, the the Pharisee, to come close to him and to know him and make that connection. And he's hoping that in this whole process, Simon will come. That he'll lay aside his dignity and his pride and his religiousness and come close. And we don't know what happened to Simon the Pharisee, but... um, That's my hope, is that this whole experience changed him. But if the scene were a scene from a musical, I think Jesus might have burst into this song, singing it to Simon the Pharisee. And maybe you know it, and you might want to sing along with me. You've lost that love and feeling. Oh, that love and feeling. You've lost the love and feeling, now it's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. (laughs) Simon's looking for that loving feeling towards God, and he can't quite grasp it. And he's doing everything right, but not getting there. This sinful woman comes in, and she starts doing everything wrong. But boy, does she get it right. And we're told in the story that the reason why she uh, has been able to love much is because she's been forgiven much. She knows how much she needs to be forgiven. I don't know about you, but in my relationships with people, the times when I feel the greatest amount of affection towards them is when I feel very grateful 
that they love me, (laughs) that they see me, warts and all, and they still love me. There's this surge of affection that comes, and in the Hebrew thinking, to love is the same as to be grateful, or to show deep devotion. And Jesus is saying to Simon, you know, she knows how much she needs forgiven. That's how she's able to express herself like that. That's how she's able to make this connection with me. It's because she knows. It's fresh in her mind how much she's been forgiven. She's no specific sins that she's committed. And she's been dealing with them specifically in coming here tonight. And in weeping over my feet and kissing them and wiping them with her hair and pouring perfume, the very tool of her trade. These were all the tools of her trade. Everything she did was symbolic of her sin, her very specific sins. And she comes and specifically pours them out on Jesus. And we need to be those who are going to be specific about our sins in order to get close to Jesus and to revive those loving feelings that may have been lost. And I know in my personal relationships, it's when I'm specific about the things I've done wrong or that the other person's done wrong. That's when the reconciliation happens. If we just brush it under the carpet and just kind of carry on and hope all will be well, the closeness disappears. But the closeness is there when we're specific with one another. And it's the same with God. I want you to turn to Matthew 13 in your Bibles on the pews if you could with me because I think this little passage shows us how we can change when we've lost that loving feeling towards God, that deep devotion, that gratitude. This is how uh, we are going to get it back. And it's from the parable of the sower. Do you know it? About the man that went out to throw seed and he sows seed on the path and he sows seed on rocky soil and seed in... uh, weedy soil and uh, eventually in some good soil as well but the soil is symbolic of human hearts and the good soil it says at the end of um, this passage in verse 23 of chapter 13 Matthew um, the seed that falls in good soil is someone who hears the word understands it and then produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown now the crop is symbolic of love towards God. That's what God is looking for. If he goes out in a field symbolically, and if he goes out among the earth, among the peoples of the earth, he's looking for those whose hearts are towards him. He's looking for love in response to him. And that's why his heart was so sickened by the Israel, uh, people of Israel in the wilderness, because they had wandering hearts. And yet he'd been with them for 40 years and they couldn't seem to respond to him in love and God is looking for a harvest a crop of love towards him of deep devotion of gratitude towards him and that comes from good soil that understands hears the word understands it and then bears that fruit of love and gratitude The soil that was in the first part, in verse 19 of of Matthew 13, it says uh, that the sower sowed seed and it fell on on the path. 
And then the birds of the air came and, and snatched it away. Now the path is soil that was probably good at one stage, but it's got trampled down, so it's compressed and it's hardened. And if you were going to try and plant seeds on soil like that, you have to dig it up and turn it over quite a lot before uh, it's going to bear, uh, it's going to let the seeds germinate and bear fruit. And I think that's what happens to our hearts over time. You know the phrase familiarity uh, breeds contempt. The humdrum of life, just pressing down on the soil, just compacting it and hardening it. And you and I can become like that, both in our relationships with one another, but also towards God. Familiarity can breed contempt and can stunt our emotional responses to God. Now, you know, me and Chris were just talking before the service, and we were saying that our feelings aren't under our direct control. They're very annoying, aren't they, feelings? They come and go, and you sort of think, what is going on? Why am I feeling like that? But what we can do is we can command our attention to a person or to a thing, and on focusing on it, our emotions can follow. My mother is a midwife, and um, there were times in her career as a midwife when women had traumatic births or had had a trauma happen before they were pregnant. And when the baby was born, they couldn't feel any affection towards that baby. And my mother learned to teach them that if you act like you love your child, the feelings will follow. And that was a very wise piece of human understanding. To act like you love and the feelings follow. To focus your attention on that child and act like you love them. Do all the right things. And the feelings do follow. And it's true in our walk with God. Focus on his attributes, as we were talking last week, but also focus on what's going on in your heart. Many of us don't do that. We don't focus in on our hearts. We don't notice if we have, are doing well with God. We don't notice if uh, we're bearing fruit for him, if we're serving him. Time goes by, and before you know it, you've drifted so far from God that you decide, oh, I just don't want to be with him anymore or I don't want to be with his people anymore and we need to be those that keep our attention both on God but also on what's going on in our hearts are they becoming compressed and hardened do they need digging up Hosea in chapter 10 verse 12 says break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the Lord Till he comes and rains righteousness upon you. And fallow ground is exactly what I've just been talking about. It's compressed, hardened ground. And uh, you've got to plow it up and dig it over. And uh, the way we do that in our hearts is by confessing our sins. And not just a vague, generalized looking back over your past and saying, Oh, sorry, God, I know I'm a sinner. But it's being specific. You and I commit 
our sins one at a time, don't we? And therefore we need to confess them one by one and take hold of them. Look at them. Don't just cast a glance vaguely over them all. Maybe take a pen and paper and write them down. And as you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give you eyes to see, he will show you more. And that's how we break up fallow ground. And that's how the seed of God's word, the truth that he forgives us and loves us, can germinate in that soil. But, you know, so many people go through life saying, well, I, you know, I don't feel like God loves me. Or, you know, I don't really feel particularly forgiven. But forgiveness and the feelings that go with it come as we dig up that soil and as we ponder those things that have uh, we've done wrong, that have been done against us, and that we forgive those who hurt us as we prayed earlier. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Often what's holding us back or what's hardening the soil of our heart is unforgiveness towards others. And maybe you're not even aware that you're doing it because you've just held it in in your being for so long. It's just part of the terrain of your soul. And it's a hardened crust on the surface of the soil of your soul. And confession helps dig it all up, helps bring things out into the open. The other thing I I mentioned was that trauma can crush our feelings towards one another, but also towards God. But we can still choose, even in trauma, what we're going to do. You still have choice. I'm still going to focus on the Lord, like Job. Even though he suffered so many traumas, I will still bless the Lord. And allow your feelings to muddle their way through and follow your will. So let's not be in a hurry as we do this work of breaking up our fallow ground. Let's take our time. Have, has familiarity with God or has the traumas of life disabled your feelings and hindered your focus on him? Are you being pulled under the dominion of darkness? Or are you remaining firmly under the lordship of Jesus? I was thinking that, um, you know, we were made in the image of God, weren't we? And God is love, so that means we were made in the image of love. That means that we were meant to love and love deeply from the heart. Men and women alike, we were all meant to love deeply from the heart. And um, in the story we've heard today, both these people had had that identity taken from them, stolen from them, and, but only one of them realized it and fought to claim her true identity. Her true identity to be, was to be a, a passionate worshiper of God, and she claimed it back no matter what it cost her. It cost her a bottle of perfume, a year's salary back in those days for a field worker, a farm worker, 
But it cost her more than that. It cost her her dignity. It cost her her reputation. Everybody knew what was going on. Everybody could see it. It was all in the open. But she was determined to claim that identity back. I hope that you, this morning, along with me, will be determined to hold on to that identity. You want to be a passionate lover of God. If you've got fallow ground, you want to dig it up. You'll do whatever it takes to look at those things from the past that have caused your ground to become fallow and hardened. I've written down a few things that might be starters for you, just to get you thinking about what you might need to confess. Because when I first became a Christian, I was six, and I didn't really have an awful lot to confess. You know, I hadn't been a drug dealer or a gun smuggler or anything like that. And it was hard to think, well, what am I forgiven for at the age of six? And as I've gone on, I've been a Christian since then, and you sort of think, well, what do I need forgiven for? So, here's a starter for ten. Some things that might stir your thoughts and make you uh, begin to see some things in your own life that you do need to confess and bring before God one by one. Okay, all the times you can remember where you've received favors from God and others and of which you've never expressed gratitude or thanks, thankfulness. Think of the times when you've neglected secret prayer family prayer or prayer meetings. When you've made stupid or meaningless excuses to prevent your attending a meeting where your contribution would have been valuable. Where you've neglected to pour um, and you've poured contempt upon the methods in which people hear the word of God. Just because you don't like spiritual duties. Look around at your friends and your relatives and remember how little compassion you felt for them. You've stood by and seen them going on their way merrily. And it seems as though you don't care where it is that they're going. What's been the state of your heart in regard to your worldly possessions? Have you looked at them as really yours? As if you had the right to dispose of them as your own according to your own will? Look at the cases in which you were envious of those whom you thought were above you in any respect. Instances in which you've had a bitter spirit or you've harbored a grudge towards someone. Times you've spoken behind people's backs about their faults, real or supposed, of a member of the church or others, unnecessarily or without good reason. When you've done something to someone that which you would not like to have been done to you. When you've prayed for forgiveness for something, knowing full well you have no intention of really ever changing. When you've been bad-tempered. If you found you've committed a fault against an individual and that individual is within reach 
why don't you go and confess it to them as quickly as you can? And if the individual you've hurt is far away from you, sit down and write them a letter and confess what you've done. If you defrauded somebody, send the money with interest. Go thoroughly to work. Go now. Don't put it off. Breaking up your fallow ground, you must remove all these obstacles. Drive the plow right through them. Dig deep. Turn the ground up so that it may be mellow and soft and fit to receive the seeds that will bear fruit in your life. The God fruit of gratitude and deep devotion. Amen. Why don't we uh, stand together?